And please stand with us when you find that place. Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews 11, verse 5 and 6. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Let us pray. O God in heaven, as I bow in your presence, I do thank you, Lord, for giving us another privilege to preach. Thank you for the word of God and for these that have gathered for this service. Lord, how we need you tonight, and I pray for wisdom and understanding and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, help me to be a vessel that you would fill and use tonight. You know every heart, you know every need. I pray you might minister to those needs. In the name of Jesus, I pray, amen. Thank you, and you may be seated. Okay, I guess we're on there. I want to I bring you a message on the subject of pleasing God. The Bible said here that Enoch pleased God. And that faith is necessary for us to please God. Revelation 4.11 said, Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For Thou hast created all things, and for Thy pleasure they are and were created. The Westminster Catechism says that man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. Why are we here? We are here... At God's pleasure, every day that we live is a gift of God. I have no promise of tomorrow. Every day I live at God's pleasure. He can, he can make the decision to allow me another day of life or he could cut me off. Again, I live at his pleasure. And he says that all things were created for his pleasure. In John 8, 29, the Lord Jesus said, I do always those things that please Him. And the Bible said, Whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever you do, do all to the glory of God. That ought to be a question that, uh, that uh, affects every decision that we make in life. But I'm afraid many times, if you're like me, we probably just go about our business, do our thing, without even giving the first thought, what does God think about this? But that ought to be a major consideration. What does God think about it? Does this glorify God? Does this please God? In Romans 15, 1, he says, we're not to please ourselves. In Galatians 1, 10, if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. So Romans says we're not to please ourselves, and yet uh, most of the energy is spent on that very thing, pleasing ourselves. I've had people tell me, I'm going to do as I please. Sometimes children are rebellious, and they say, I'll do as I please. Well, uh, I had some of those thoughts. I seldom expressed them when I was growing up because I wanted to live. <laughs> I wanted to go through life with teeth. <laughs> but uh, the fact is that we are to please the Lord. Now, what is it that pleases God? First of all, people. 
man can please God. That's possible, according to the Bible here. He talks about Enoch here. By faith, Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now the Bible tells us in Genesis 5, 21 through 24, and you can read that, uh, where Enoch walked with God for 300 years, and he pleased the Lord. It is possible to please God. Enoch did that. He, he, he left, there's only two people that's got out of here without dying, and that's Enoch and Elijah. And Enoch is a type of the rapture because he was taken out before the flood there. And uh, the church is going to be taken out of this world before the wrath of the tribulation period. Enoch walked with God, and that pleased the Lord. It pleases God when you walk with God, when you acknowledge God. Now, now just put yourself, if you could, in God's shoes. What if you were the creator? Everything you see, what if you had created all this? You know, I was, I was listening to uh, 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 James Kennedy, I think, this week on the radio. And he was interview, interviewing a former Mormon. And it was quite enlightening. The Mormon church tries to portray themselves as uh, uh, a, uh, a Christian church. It is not a Christian church. It is a cult. And, uh, and this, this former, very involved Mormon uh, related some interesting things. One of the things they related is that, that God was once a man and became God. He was once like we are. He became a God, married, and is married, and has given birth to thousands and millions of children who ultimately come down to this earth. And that, uh, of course, he went into a lot of other things, but, but that ultimately that, uh, that you, if you are good enough and dedicated enough, that you can become God yourself and create your own earth and have spirit children and populate that earth uh, with your spirits. Now, if, if that's a Christian religion, I don't know what Christianity is. Uh, but uh, anyway, getting back to the, uh, to the uh, thing I was on, the subject I was on, what if, what if you were God and that's, now no, that's not possible. Don't, this, don't carry it too far. I'm not saying that. But you had created this earth. You created the universe. You created everything. You created man and put him upon that earth, and then those people just ignored you. How would you feel? And basically, that's what's happened, right? Uh, that the world lives as if God didn't even exist. Just uh, ignore God. Breathe the very God whom er, who we draw a very life from. In Him we live and move and have our being. He gives to all life and breath and all things. And to, to realize how dependent we are on God and then to simply live our life as if God didn't exist. There's where the world is. 
And that's why, and God rightly is disturbed about it. He has a right to be. And why God would tolerate a bunch of rebels like us, I, I, I'm overwhelmed at the love of God and the mercy and the grace of God that God would put up with us for one day. What a wonderful, marvelous God that we have. And when we come here tonight to worship this God, we're worshiping the greatest being, the greatest greatest one in all of the universe. Such a wonderful, patient, marvelous God that tolerates what he puts up with. And, uh, but... People can please the Lord, and God wants us to please Him. Psalm 149.4 says, For the Lord hath pleasure in His people. God has pleasure. It pleased the Lord. Enoch walked with God, and God was pleased with it. You know, when you, you have children, and, and when you have those children grow up to love God and to love you, and that, that brings great pleasure, doesn't it? But when children grow up to be rebels and rebel against everything that you tried to teach them and instruct them in the ways of God, it tears at your heart. And it gives us a view of how the Lord is affected. Well, let me move on. I've got a lot of territory to cover tonight. Uh, something else that pleases God, according to the Bible, is preaching. Now, some people don't like preaching. Sometimes I don't like preaching. <laughs> Uh, sometimes I have to preach things I wish I didn't have to preach. Some people think I'm, I'm picking on them or I'm mad at them. I'm just trying to obey God. I'm just trying to preach the truth. I have no quarrels to pick with any individual. God called me to preach this book. And if it hits me, then what I need to do is say, Oh, me. Someone said, if you throw a rock in a pack of dogs, the one that hollers is the one that got hit. <laughs> well, preaching pleases God. And sometimes I hear others preach, and it, 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 it affects me. And sometimes I study for a message, and I just say, oh, Lord, help me. I, forgive me and help me so I can preach to others. But preaching pleases God according to the Bible. Now, 1 Corinthians 1.21 it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. It's foolishness of the world. But that's God's way. I thank God for preaching. That man preaching, I couldn't got saved. Because the Bible said that's God's chosen method of getting people saved. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. You got saved through preaching. Now, you, you might have got saved at home. You might have got saved on the job. But someone gave you the truth of God. Someone shared with you about the Lord Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead and gave you that message. And that's preaching. If someone gave you that message, then that's preaching. It may not be preaching like I'm doing tonight, but it's a form of preaching and giving out the Word of God. Now Psalm 103, 21, Bless ye the Lord, all ye His hosts, ye ministers of His that do His pleasure. And uh, my main concern ought to be that uh, when I get through a message, I can go home and say, Lord, you know, did I please you? Are, are, you, are you satisfied with what I've done? And if I can do that, I'm all right. <laughs> now, it bothers me when people don't respond positively to the message. Certainly, I'm a human. Uh, you know, you want to see the results, but sometimes you don't see those results. 
Sometimes you don't see them for a while. Some, you never know the effectiveness of a message till, till uh, sometimes later down the road. But that ought to be the main concern in 1 Thessalonians 2 verse 4. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. What a, what a tremendous trust. What a tremendous responsibility. Uh, I remember years ago, uh, this couple was saved. And uh, in, in their will, they, uh, they, left, uh, they, they left everything they had uh, to uh, a, a children's home and to the, to the church, church and maiden there. And they appointed me as the executor. Executor, is that what it is? But uh, I didn't particularly cherish that responsibility. And of course, uh, you know, I left before they, they died and, and uh, consequently did not, uh, was not involved in all, I don't know all that took place about that. But uh, uh, it was, a, it was a, a trust, it was a responsibility. And uh, God, though, has put a greater responsibility. When I think of facing God and giving an account of every message that I've preached, I'll tell you that is an awesome thought. Every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Having to give an account of every message. What a responsibility. But preaching pleases God. Let me move on. Prayer pleases God. I want you to turn to 1 Kings 3. 1 Kings chapter 3, page 390. 390, 1 Kings 3. And we have uh, the illustration of Solomon here. Solomon. In uh, 1 Kings 3, verse 5. In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night. And God said, Ask what I shall give thee. Now what if you, you know, uh, you've, you've heard the, the fables and the stories and some of those are, uh, are taken from the Bible but misused and, and uh, turned into fairy tales. And, and uh, you know, you've heard, you've heard the, the, the saying about the genie in a bottle and you carry this bottle around, out pops the genie and... And uh, the genie says, I'll give you any wish. <laughs> well, we know there's no such thing as that, but this did happen to Solomon. And it was a real experience. And the Lord said, ask what I shall give. If you could have one wish, one request in life for anything, what would you ask for? You said, I'd ask for a million dollars. <laughs> well, what would you do with it? Uh, ask what I shall give thee. Now we have this, this given to Solomon. Solomon said, Thy children to thy servant David, my father, great mercy, according as he walked before thee in truth and in righteousness and in uprightness of heart with thee, and thou hast kept for him this great kindness, that thou hast given him a son to sit on his throne as it is this day. And now, O Lord my God, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. And I am but a little child. I know not how to go out or come in. Now this was a tremendous responsibility. And thy servant is the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people, that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this thy so great a people? And the speech 
pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. And God said unto him, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked for thyself understanding to discern judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and an understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. And I have also given thee that which thou hast not asked, both riches and honor, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto thee all thy days. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did walk, then I will lengthen thy days. And Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the ark of the covenant of the Lord and offered up burnt offerings and offered peace offerings and made a feast to all his servants. What a wonderful story. And uh, there the Bible said he pleased the Lord. You know what Solomon did? He asked for others, not himself. And he pleased God. I want to tell you that prayer pleases God. Prayer and especially praying for someone else. And praying, praying as, as, as uh, hard for others as we would for ourselves. You know, if I'm sick... And I pray for me. I'm serious about it. <laughs> but I need to be just as serious or even more so when I pray for you. That pleases God, praying for other people. Not only that, but praise pleases God. In Psalm 69, verse 30 and 31, I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or bullock that hath horns and hoofs. So the psalmist said, God is pleased when we praise him. Why do we, why do we sing songs when we come to church? Why are testimonies given from time to time? God's pleased with that according to the Bible. The songs that exalt the Lord, the songs that, that give glory to God and magnify his, uh, his character, His holiness, those songs please the Lord. And while to sing them as unto the Lord. In, uh, in uh, Hebrews 13, just a couple of pages over from our text, and verse number 15, By him therefore let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. The sacrifice of praise. So praising God pleases God. And uh, you know, uh, I'm, I'm not against shouting the praises of God. Uh, when I was growing up, that, that, was, that was common, people shouting and praising God. There's nothing wrong with that. I don't like, put, I've heard preachers say, well, I like, I'd rather have wildfire and no fire at all. Well, I wouldn't. The Lord said, I wish you were cold or hot, right in the lukewarm. If it can't be real, then I'd rather not have, if I can't have the real thing, I don't want to counterfeit. But certainly praise is in order in the house of God. Then there's a fourth, a fifth thing. Where are we at? Fifth. Uh, that is pay. And back in, if you're in chapter 13 of Hebrews there, verse 16, it goes on, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. And he's talking about giving. When the offering plate is passed, 
We put our tithes in. That pleases God. Now, the Bible says we need to be careful that we give with the right attitude, that we not give grudgingly or of necessity. Uh, but God loveth a cheerful giver. And I understand that the meaning of that word is hilarious. It ought to be a blessing. I only knew one man in shout over, over taking an offering. He's, I understand he's dead now. But uh, lived down in Lincoln County. And uh, he had, he had, he had, he had uh, you know, they'd talk about we're going to receive an offering. And he'd get up and say, I want to say a word for the Lord. I want to testify. And uh, he, he would relate some experience in his life and how God had, God had uh, uh, took care of him. And, and someone told me, and he may have testified to it also, but years ago he, he grew cotton. And back in the days when the boll weevil just about destroyed the cotton crop of the South and almost devastated the economy of the South. And, uh, but they said, uh, they said he would go out in the fields. He planted his cotton. And he would get out there and pray and say, Lord, this is your field of cotton. You're able to keep the boll weevil off of it. And they said the boll weevil destroyed everybody else's cotton and did not touch his. Well, I'll tell you, God could do that. And he put the Lord first and honored God, and he had, uh, you know, if, if that really happened, and I assume it did, then no wonder he shouted <laughs> over giving and uh, say, you know, I'll tell you what God did for me. And he could praise God. You know, you never lose when you put God first. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And I believe that. If you'll put God number one, he'll take care of the rest. And so it pleases God. Ecclesiastes 5, 4, When thou vowest to bow unto God, defer not to pay it, for he hath no pleasure in fools. Pay that which thou hast vowed. I believe when you give your word, you're bound to it. If you make a promise, keep it. That's what God says. You make a vow. And we live in a world when, when people will tell you anything. Sandy, she comes home and tells us their problems. She manages a commercial credit office there in Salisbury now. And, uh, you know, she grew up and she believed that you paid your bills. She was taught that. And I've tried to practice it over these years. Uh, and she can't understand... <laughs> You know why people will borrow money and then not pay. I was down that area last week, first of the week, and and I first time I'd been that that, that uh, place of business there, and and I was I went in and uh, spoke to one of the ladies that works there, and I was kidding with her a little bit, and I said I I want to borrow some money. I said I don't want to pay it back. <laughs> Yeah, she was kind of shocked, and, and I asked to speak to Sandy. So, but Sandy said, "Well, join the crowd. <laughs> I, I got them like that. They they don't want to pay." And she's pretty tough. Uh, uh, she gets that from her mama, I guess. But uh, <laughs> uh, when God says, "If you make a promise, you keep your words. If you make a vow, you do what you say." This church would be full tonight if everybody come that told me they'd come. You wouldn't believe the people that's promised me over the year I'll be there. And they had not come yet. <laughs> but uh, 
Anyway, God says you keep your word. You do what you say you'll do. Wouldn't it be a wonderful world to live in if people do that? And used to, I'll tell you, they, you know, they used to say, and I know there's always been crooks, but it seems like there's more now than ever. I guess there's more people. But used to, if a man, if a man gave, gave you his word, his word was his bond. You've heard that. I mean, you could count on it. You didn't have to worry about it. Uh, you know, you, you could count on that man's word. He'd do what he said, whatever. If you, if you made a bad deal, if you lost money over it, so be it. You made a promise. You gave your word. And uh, uh, I'll tell you this, uh, some, some year, year, a few years ago now, two or three years, ever how long, three or four, I don't know how long it's been, but uh, Sandy had, uh, uh, you know, went to this, this car dealership to, to get a car, and they give her a prize. And uh, uh, she asked me, she said, would you come down, and, uh, and maybe, maybe you can get them down a little bit, you know, uh, sometime they take advantage of women. Maybe you can get them down a little more. And so I was going to do my thing, and 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 I went down and and talked to them, and and uh, I, you know I, I said uh, I said you know she was given this price, and he said oh said no we can't sell it for that. I said oh, wait a minute. I said your sales said well he didn't have the authority. To do it. I said listen, he should not have made a promise if he didn't have the authority to do it. He said that, that uh, he would sell it at that price. Listen, they weren't even willing to sell it at that price. You see what, what effect I was, I was having none. <laughs> when I went down, it's going to cost them more instead of less. But uh, uh, don't, don't get me to help you. I can't help you. But, uh, uh, but anyway, they said, oh, said we have, we have another car. I said, listen. I says, we want to buy anything you've got at any price. And we left. And I meant it. <laughs> because when a person makes a promise, they ought to keep it. I believe that. Anyway, let me go on. Get off of that. Uh, not only does that please God, but purity, purity pleases God. In Psalm 5, verse 4, For thou art not a God that hath pleasure in wickedness, neither shall evil dwell with thee. God is not pleased when I disobey him. God's not pleased when I sin. He does not have pleasure in wickedness. He has pleasure when I live right in purity. That pleases God. 2 Timothy 2, 4, No man that worth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, of his, this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. I was talking to a fellow this week, and he, he was talking about the difference. He said he, he, he works in a Christian school, and he said 10 years ago, he said a student would not dare stand up to my authority or question my authority. He says, now they'll stand right up in my face. And uh, I told him about, about a, a story I heard about a young man said, I, he, you know, he, he got rebellious and he said, I'm getting tired. My mom and dad tell me everything I can do, not do, when I can come in. I'm getting tired of everybody telling me what to do. So he went and joined the army. <laughs> no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that they may please him 
who had chosen him to be a soldier. Romans 8, verse 8, So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God. Psalm 51, 19, thy shalt, Then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. That is, when we, uh, when we confess our sin. And Proverbs 16, 7 has a wonderful truth here. When a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Oh, my. You apply that, that, uh, you know, are we really pleasing God? <laughs> you have a lot of enemies. I think sometime I must not please in God very much. But when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace. God will put the fear of the Lord even in your enemies. You know, we've had to pick up uh, beer cans and stuff out of the parking lot. I can remember a time when you, you wouldn't have heard tell of that. There was, there was too much of the fear of God even on sinners to come and drink their beer and throw their can out in the church parking lot. And uh, I drove up one night and there was a couple of carloads of young fellows up here. I confronted them. I said, uh, I, I told them what had been happening and I said, I don't, I don't think that's pleasing to God. And they said, they denied, of course, that they were guilty of that. And, uh, but I don't know where Miss Robinson's seen anything lately, have you? Uh, I haven't picked any up since that, that night I confronted those boys. So, so maybe, maybe they were the guilty ones. And, and uh, you know, but uh, the Bible says when you please the Lord, purity pleases God. Not much fear of the Lord. Romans says we'd, we'd come to that day, there'd be no fear of God before their eyes. People have no fear of God anymore. Now, not everybody. I speak in generalities there. But I'll tell you, purity pleases God. <coughs> then finally, prevented souls from perishing. In the book of Ezekiel, chapter 18, and it's also in chapter 33 in Ezekiel 18 and verse 23. God says, Have I any pleasure at all that the wicked should die? Saith the Lord God, not that he should return from his ways and live. Verse 32. For I have no pleasure in the death of him that dies, saith the Lord God. Wherefore, turn yourselves and live ye. And then in Ezekiel 33 and 11, all these say basically the same thing. Say unto them, As I live, saith the Lord God, I have no pleasure in the death of the wicked, that the wicked turn from his way and live. Turn ye, turn ye from evil ways, for why will ye die, O house of Israel? And I will tell you, when people go to hell, God's not jumping up and down rejoicing. I had a teacher in school. He says, uh, he says when I, he said, I used to preach on hell. He said, I preached on hell in such a way that it came across as if I was glad people was going to hell. He says, one day, God broke my heart. He said, God is not happy when people go to hell. He said, it breaks the heart of God. He says, now when I preach on hell, I preach on hell with a broken heart and a contrite spirit because God is grieved when souls perish without God. And I've never forgot what he said. And some, I don't know how sometimes I come across. I'll tell you, I'm not glad that people are lost. And I believe every soul's worth saving. I don't care how, how wicked and how ungodly 
and God hates sin, and I hate sin, and I preach hard against sin. But I'm going to tell you, God loves the sinner. I don't care what they've done and how sorry they've been. God's willing to forgive them, save them. And we need to, we need to understand that, I believe, and I need to understand that and be able to communicate that. Prevented souls from perishing. It pleases God. You know, the greatest thing I believe that I could do or you could do to please the Lord is go out this week and try to win somebody to Jesus Christ. You want to please God? Hey, nothing pleases God any more than that. Try to keep some soul from perishing. Rescue the perishing. Care for the dying, the song says. And that's what we need to be about in trying to get people saved. He has no pleasure in seeing the wicked die. Psalm 1611, at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. In Luke 12, 32, fear not, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Well, you know, God's greatest pleasure, I believe, is taking us home to be with him, just like he did Enoch there in their text. Enoch walked with God. God translated him, just took him on to heaven without dying, took him to his house. And one of these days, he's going to do the same for us. And he prayed that high priestly prayer in John 17. Father, I will that they who thou hast given me be with me where I am. That's the pleasure of God. A lot of them are there already, aren't they? Great host. Not everybody's lost. Not everybody's gone to hell. There's a great multitude in heaven already there. They just await the resurrection of the body and reunite the body with the soul and spirit. And we await the rapture. And Jesus is coming. And we'll be glorified. You know, one of these days when we're least expecting it, it's going to happen. It's going to be shocking to the world. Maybe in the middle of the night. It'll be night somewhere, undoubtedly, won't it? One of these, one of, it may be tonight. It may happen tonight. We may be driving down the road tomorrow, and if we find ourselves in the clouds with the Lord, it's going to happen. God's wonderful pleasure. Aspire his please.